You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our life crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Derek Lopez. What has happened is David is king, he's on the throne. And he sees this woman, this is important to the, this part of where we're at in scriptures, he sees this woman, her name is Bathsheba. And he sees her and he takes her as his own and he commits adultery with her. Now the problem is, she has a husband named Uriah. And he's actually one of David's mighty men. Well, Bathsheba becomes pregnant and then uh, David, to try to hide the sin, he has Uriah put to the front of the battle and killed. He, he murders Uriah. So God sends a prophet, and through this prophet, God tells David, hey, because you've done this thing, and there's a whole lot there, you can go back and read, you can watch previous messages from many of us campus pastors, but, but he says, because this happened, the sword will not depart from your home. It's never gonna leave. And so David knows that's coming, and, and there's a shift, it's like there's a spiritual shift, because it's like David is very confident, he makes wise decisions, and then all of a sudden he's almost paralyzed. And he's paralyzed even with his own children of what to do. And so David's oldest son, his name is Amnon, and this is a little bit like, if you're my age, like Jerry Springer in a way, this is a little crazy of everything that happens, but just stay with me, and there's lots of names, okay? but. This guy's name is Amnon. He's the oldest son. He sees his half-sister, who is, uh, his, her mom is a princess. She's very beautiful. And he, he takes her and he violates her. He rapes her. And then so David hears about it and it says he's furious, but he never mentions it to his son at all. He never corrects his son at any level. And so David's other son, the full-blooded sibling of Tamar, his name is Absalom, and he has all of these expectations of what David should do, and that Amnon should die, and David does nothing after two years, and then he decides, I'm gonna go kill this guy, and he kills him. So after he kills him, he flees, and he goes to his grandfather's land in Gesher. His grandfather was also a king. He stays there, and then through a series of events, they end up having Absalom come back. David is convinced to bring him back, and then Absalom can't see the king, but he ends up weaseling his way so he can get before him and get his favor, and then he ends up going to a city named Hebron. Now, he's very popular. He's a very popular man. He actually steals the hearts of all the people, and so when he steals the hearts, he, he sends messengers throughout all of Israel saying, tell everyone that I'm king in Hebron, and that's important because it's where David was first made king, and so this conspiracy rises against King David, and he, uh, they decide we're going to try to overthrow David. Well, David gets news of this, and he says, hey, we need to leave right now. We got to go or Absalom's gonna kill us. And so we talked about last week how we respond when we are betrayed, how when we're stabbed in the back, what we should do. And, and what we see from last week is we see that David puts, he thinks about how it affects everybody, he puts others first, he ends up praying, and he acts on prayer. And so we're gonna piggyback on that today because we're gonna continue in that, what do we do when we're betrayed? And so starting in chapter 16, verse one, I'm reading from the NIV today, and just so everyone knows, we're expository, we're an expository preaching church, that's a fancy word for just meaning we go verse by verse, okay? And so 
It says that when David had gone a short distance beyond the summit, there was Ziba, steward of Mephibosheth, waiting to meet him. Now, this man Ziba, he is a servant of King Saul, the king before David became king. And, and he, is, he is like a gardener for Saul. Now Saul dies and all of Saul's sons die. And so Ziba's pulled before the king and he's asked, hey, is there anyone left from the house of Saul that I can show kindness to? And he says, yeah, there is, there's this guy, his name is Mephibosheth, he's son of Jonathan. Now that would have touched David's heart because this was, this was King David's best friend. Jonathan was his very best friend. And so, so he, he, when he hears that he has a son, he's elated. He brings Mephibosheth in. Mephibosheth is lame, he can't walk. And Mephibosheth, uh, though he is that, David gives him all of King Saul's land that belonged to his grandfather. And he gives him endowment. He has him even eat with, at the king's court every day. And every time King David sees him, he doesn't just see Mephibosheth, he sees Jonathan. And so, so he loves Mephibosheth and he takes care of Mephibosheth, but Ziba remains a servant to Mephibosheth. And so that's a little background that you need to know. So it says that Ziba was waiting to meet David and he had a string of donkeys saddled and loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 cakes of raisins, 100 cakes of figs, and a skin of wine. So these are things that would have been needed for soldiers who are marching. And so the king asked Ziba, why have you brought these? And really a better way to say this, a better translation is like, what are your intentions? What do you mean by bringing this? Or even what authority do you have bringing these things? And so Ziba answered, the donkeys are for my king's household to ride on, the bread and the fruit are for the men to eat, and the wine is to refresh those who have become ex exhausted in the wilderness. He kind of, he answers the question, but he doesn't fully answer the question. So David has this follow-up question. He says, where's your master's grandson? Hey, where's Mephibosheth? And Ziba says to him, well, he's staying in Jerusalem because he thinks today that the Israelites will restore me, uh, restore to me my grandfather's kingdom. So he, he's, he's basically almost in a way bribing the king. And I'll explain this because later what we see is, is that Mephibosheth, from the day David leaves the kingdom, he doesn't change his clothes. He doesn't shave. He's in mourning. And so when he comes back, David says, why didn't you go with me? And he said, I wanted to go with you, but I'm lame. And my servant was gonna help me, but he betrayed me. And then he slandered, he slandered my name to you. And so there's this lie that happens and, and, and Ziba uses the hurt that David has in this situation against somebody else for his own gain. Have you ever had anybody do that to you where they slander you and they try to get some gain, whether it's in business or a family relationship? They, they do that to you. People hurt you, right? So that's what happens. But remember this, David is tired. He, he's, he's left Jerusalem. He's leading people. He's having them go before him. He doesn't know exactly where he's going. He goes up the Mount of Olives. He has, he has his son stab him in the back. And then he has... Uh, Bathsheba's grandfather, he, a relative by marriage, stab him in the back too. And so David almost doesn't know who should I trust or who, you know, who's on my side. And so David is emotionally exhausted at this point. 
And he's trying his best, I think, but, but you know, when we're emotionally exhausted, we make bad decisions. And we make bad judgment calls. And that's what David does, is he makes a snap decision, and he says to Ziba, all that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. And Mephibosheth says, or, and now Ziba says, I humbly bow, may I find favor with, the, with my lord the king. Of course he did, right? Like, may I find favor with you. It's important to remember that when, when we're betrayed, and there's lots of ways I could, I could go at this, but, but we don't want to make quick decisions. And the first point is when we are betrayed, we should seek godly counsel. When we're betrayed, we should seek godly counsel because you know what? We have blind spots. And if David had sought counsel, if he'd sought godly counsel, they would have said, okay, he says that the story is Mephibosheth is back in Jerusalem. That's true. He's saying that Mephibosheth is saying because your son is taking over the kingdom, now I'm gonna get the kingdom back. Do you see how there's, there's plot holes in that story? It doesn't add up, it doesn't make sense. And so if he had godly counsel, he would have known this, things just don't add up here and he would have asked more questions. The Bible says this, that in Proverbs eighteen thirteen it says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And then later on, Proverbs 18, 17 says, the first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. When we hear gossip about somebody, we need to go to the individual who's being slandered and say, this is what I hear, is this true? We should do that because we need both sides. And David couldn't get both sides right away, but, but later on, David ends up saying to Mephibosheth, okay, half of what belonged to your Saul is yours and half is now to Ziba because David's already made, uh, he's, already, he's already said this is what, what will happen from this. He's already judged the situation. So we want to be, when we're betrayed, we should seek godly counsel. Now, moving on to verse five, it says, as King David approached Barahim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. So where David is at, he's north of the Mount of Olives, and this area is an area that God promised to the tribe of Benjamin. And so Saul and his family, they're from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, David is from the tribe of Judah, which is where our Lord is from. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he's in this area and they don't like David because they, want, they don't like that Saul is dead and he's no longer reigning. It's their family, it's their closer kin than David. And so this man comes out and he pelts David and all the king's officials with stones Though all the troops and special guard were there on David's right and left, and as he cursed Shimei said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. He says, the Lord has repaid you for all the blood shed in the house of Saul, in whom, whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Now there's certain things that he's doing and he's really speaking out of a place of hurt because his family has died. All of Saul, all of Saul's sons are dead. Uh, 
even Ishbosheth, who takes over for Saul for a little time, he ends up being killed. And even the commander of Saul's army is killed at the hands of Abishai and Joab. And so he's blaming the deaths of people that he would have known on David. And there's some truth here. So one of the truths is he says, you are a murderer. That's why this is happening to you. And that was true. That's what Nathan the prophet said. And then the next thing I could see uh, that I'll mention is that David could have possibly not been sure whether it was true or not. And that's the Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. David doesn't know. He even prays in chapter 15, you know, maybe the Lord will let me come back if I find favor with him to see the Ark of the Covenant. He's not sure. But then the lie is, for all the blood that you shed in the house, household of Saul, David never touched. And the writer of 2 Samuel is very careful to absolve David of all wrongdoing to the house of Saul. And so, so David didn't do any wrong. He's being slandered. He's like, you're a scoundrel. You're a fool. Get out of here. You murdered Saul. You killed these people. You, you, you're no good. And so David hears all of this. But then verse nine says, then Abishai, son of Zeruiah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? He says, let me go off and cut off his head. So this is where I'm gonna invite dad, come on up. I thought it was fitting he'd be King David again since he was King David last week. And then uh, Mark, Mark is gonna be Abishai. He's going to grab his sword because he's a warrior. Now, he wants to cut off Shimei's head, okay? So now, do you really think, let him see Mark real quick. You really think that Abishai could take Shimei? Don't answer, right? With a sword, definitely. So, so actually, he's, he's a little bit of a bad dude. He's, he's heavy in security. He's, he's, he knows what he's doing. Heavy, heavy, yeah, heavyweight. Heavyweights, no. Um, but, but, but Shimei, what happens, I need to move this a little bit more. What happens, if you guys want to scoot that way a little bit, is um, Shimei is throwing stones at David and at Abishai. <laughs> Debatable. But I think I was spanked enough. Okay, um, but I, I can't throw these stones, right? But they're being pelted, curses are coming, and so, but this is what I can do, okay? So, I can do this. So, so they're getting pelted with stones, right? But, but all the people are getting pelted with stones also, okay? All of them are getting pelted with stones in the back. I see you. They're being pelted with stones, right? And so, at, I mean, that's cute, but they're really being pelted with real stones. So what happens is, Abishai says, let me go cut off his head, right? You're, you're shaking your head with no smile. <laughs> so then David responds. Go cut his head off. That's not what happened, okay? <laughs> so, but this whole time, go ahead and hold this. Shimei's throwing stones, but he's putting a stone in David's hand. And so he's throwing stones, but really he's giving David authority to come back and kill him. 
Now this, for a brief time, for a moment, this is a victory for King David. Because he says to Abishai, he's actually a little frustrated, but he says, what does this have to do with you, sons of Zeroiah? That's Joab and Abishai. And he says, if he is cursing because, because the Lord said to him, curse David, who, who can ask, why do, why do you do this? And so David continues and he says to Abishai and all of his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite, leave, leave, I'm the Benjamite here in this situation. Leave him alone, let him curse for the Lord has told him to. It may be the Lord that will look upon the misery and restore me his covenant blessing instead of cursing today. So he pardons David once. I'm gonna give this to you. He pardons David once and then Abishai can't kill him and then he pardons Shimei again and Abishai actually wants to kill him again. Abishai has actually killed 300 men with a spear and he actually was gonna kill Saul and he's like, David, let me kill Saul and David says no, but, but he wants to cut off my head two times. But then what happens is, remember David has that stone he has the stone and David never fully lets it go. Because what happens in Second King, or First Kings chapter two is when David is dying and Solomon is put on the throne. Now he's Solomon, okay? David says, hey, that Shimei with the gray hair, don't let him go to, don't let him go to the grave in peace. Kill him because of what he said to me. So, so David has that stone and he throws the stone. This is your chance. No, not the st- <laughs> So give it up for them. Uh, but but, uh, but this, is, this is what I want you to see real quick is David had that stone and he didn't let it go. Yeah, you can go down, it's fine. Thank you guys. Thank you, Mark. Um, but, but David has that stone and he actually ends up throwing the stone. He's a victory for a little bit, but he doesn't fully forgive the guy. But you and I, when someone hurts us and speaks bad about us, we're not called to throw the stone, we're called to let it go. Just as Jesus said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. So the first point, we'll go back to that, is when we are betrayed, we should seek godly counsel. But second is when we are betrayed, we should let revenge go and pray for others. We're called to pray for our enemies, to bless those who curse us. We're called to a higher standard because, our, because of our Savior and what he says. Just as a picture again, we're called to drop the stones, right? That's what we're supposed to do. So verse 13, moving on, so David and his men continued alongside the road while Shimei was going opposite of him, cursing him as he went and throwing stones at him, showering him with dirt. Now I think there's something we can learn from Shimei because Shimei is disobeying the law of God. And let me say this before I say these statements, but it's important, we're not God, he's God. We subject our opinion as Christians and believers to the Bible. Culture wants us to go culture's way. We're not to go culture's way. Now, the scripture says in Exodus 22, verse 29, 
He says, you shall not curse God, nor the rulers of your people. Now an example of cursing God would be, oh my God, that's taking the Lord's name in vain, or Jesus Christ, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's actually cursing him. You're replacing the name of God with a curse word. So may that be conviction today, but something else I want you to see is in 1 Timothy 2, one through four, Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. Everyone say all people. people. For kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in goodness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, you can call a spade a spade, okay? You can do that, and Thanksgiving's coming up. Politics are, they're, they're all around us, right? And so, what we're not to do is we're not to throw stones. We're not to curse. We're not to curse God or the leader of our people. Now, I want you to listen to me before you end up getting upset and may walk out of here. We're not called to throw stones and speak curses over our president. You know, a curse over our president, and I've heard it in this building and it's not okay. A curse over President Biden that we say, that many say, is let's go Brandon. That's a curse. If you don't know what it means, don't look it up. But everyone, that's a curse. We're called to the standard Jesus gave us. Now you can call a spade a spade. That's not throwing a stone. And calling a spade a spade with President Biden is, it's clear, he's, his mind's not all there. He shuffles his feet. He doesn't know where he's going. He shakes imaginary people's hands. And we're at war, on the brink of World War III. And it's funny, but it's not funny. And I don't even know, he he probably doesn't even have full control of his seat in office. He he says things that don't make sense. We need to pray for the man. We don't need to curse the man. We can call a spade a spade without cursing everybody, amen? I just wanna take a minute, let's pray for President Biden. Lord, we pray for President Biden, Lord. God, we pray for wisdom. We pray you would touch his mind today and heal him. But Lord, we pray for repentance, for all the sin and all the wrongdoing. May he have a visitation from you, Lord God. And Lord, if that office does not surrender to you or your way, remove them and place in that seat righteousness and holiness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You can pray prayers like that and be right. Let's not say, let's go Brandon. I want to hear that again in this room. I don't want to hear it. I'm going to shut it down. If I hear anyone say, let's go Brandon, I will shut you down in the conversation. Because we're not called to curse, we're called to bless. Amen, everybody? Anyways, that was dramatic. (laughs) Um, But I, I, I was studying this week, and man, I didn't, I kept feeling that way. I have to bring this up. I have to bring it up. It's in the the word. 
So let's continue, verse 14, it says, all the king and all the peoples arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself, refreshed himself, he refreshed himself. Look, the first point, when we are betrayed, it's important we should seek godly counsel. When we are betrayed, we need to let revenge go and pray for others, and point three, when we're betrayed, it is important that we find rest. And you know what? We might be betrayed by Americans. That could happen. It's already going on. It's not as prevalent around here as it is the East Coast and the West Coast, but it's coming. And so when that comes, we're still not called to throw stones. But we need to remember that Jesus had stones thrown at him. Right? He was murdered, and Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. And so we want, to, we want to surrender fully to the King of kings and Lord of lords and submit to him. We, we are not, we're not people's people. We're God's people. Amen. And you know what? We find rest in Jesus. Worship team, would you go ahead and come on up? When we take offense, when we take hurt, it's important we find rest, but it's important we don't put rest in the wrong thing. How many times when there's a hurt relationship or there's, there's something that happens to us, we're betrayed, we run to food, we run to alcohol, we run to drugs, we run to, to something we shouldn't indulge in. It's important that when we have that happen to us, we have godly counsel who can give us wisdom and say, you need to take a rest, even from the betrayal in the situation, you need to take a rest from talking about it for your own sanity's sake. But you're only gonna get that through wise counsel because you'll continue to have people come up, hey, what happened? Like, tell me what's going on, I just wanna hear. And maybe they have a pure heart, but maybe not. Maybe they just wanna go and gossip to somebody else. But for our own sake, it's important. We don't throw stones and we let it go. We let revenge completely go. The Bible says this in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. A yoke was something that would steer oxen, but take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And some of you really need to let this sink in because there's a belief that Jesus is just harsh, but he's not. And Jesus says, for I am gentle and I'm humble at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Look, we can take heart in Jesus. We can surrender to him, to his ways. You know, one of the best things you can do when you're betrayed is you can praise God. Say, Lord, I praise you that you're in this situation. I praise you that this may not be the best, but you know what? You have greater things ahead. Lord, I praise you that you counted me worthy for suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. And we praise and we take his yoke and put it on us. The Bible says that we should submit to God in all of our ways, and then we can resist the devil and he'll flee. That even when we pray, as we, with thanksgiving and supplications, that the peace of God will cover us, the peace that transcends understanding. That's what we want, amen, everybody? If you all bow with me as we pray. I wanna pray for you if you've been hurt or betrayed that you would have wisdom. But I also wanna pray for you. you. You cannot have, you can't have the peace of God. You can't have 
the, the, the feel the, you can feel the love and presence of God, but, but you can't actually rest if you don't rest in the Savior, Jesus Christ. So this opportunity is for you. Maybe you've been running from Jesus, the King of Kings. This is an opportunity to come back to him with every voice out loud. You just have to believe this. Just repeat after me. Father God, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus, that he died and rose again. Lord Jesus, forgive me for all my sins and make me brand new. And then just say, I give you my life in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for everyone who is here that has been hurt or betrayed or will be betrayed. Lord, I pray that you will give them wisdom. I pray you will bring the right relationships for godly counsel. Lord, that you would give strength and endurance. And Lord, that they would see you and think heaven towards versus thinking about what's around them. In Jesus' name, amen. You were encouraged by today's talk. Be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.